Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. We wish Kenny the best. Hopefully it's not too serious. But now he knows that there's a realistic chance that, hey, if he plays well, he'll get an opportunity to start against the Dolphins. This is Saverin on Steelers. Hello to all in Steelers Nation. This is Stan Saverin with the Saverin on Steelers podcast. Thanks for finding us at Steelers.com. We put up two new posts every week talking Steelers and nothing but Steelers on our podcast. So glad that you were able to find us and hope you're enjoying the content. Please tell your friends, neighbors, anybody around that um, you got this podcast available for those dedicated to following the Pittsburgh Steelers. Sunday's victory over Tampa was as thrilling as it was unexpected. Not many people thought the Steelers would be able to win this game for any number of reasons. Tampa Bay still has that Super Bowl sheen to them. I think most people look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and think of the Super Bowl team from 2020. Uh, But I think that that is hanging on to the past to the detriment of those who believe that. They're not. They're not the same team. I think that they have a slightly better than average look to them. I think that they may, despite the division they're in, um, have some trouble making the playoffs again, though, The division may give them a buy into the playoffs, if you will. But I was looking at them, and I thought, this team is vulnerable. This team can be beaten. I don't think that this team is – they're not a bad football team. But I honestly felt like this was a football team that was pretty much average. And I thought that the Steelers coming into this game – would rebound because I felt that there was still a lot of character in that Steelers locker room. And when you get beaten, smashed, is the word Mike Tomlin used, when you get smashed 38-3 to and embarrassed and humiliated, and the Buffalo game was nothing short of that, and there's no sugarcoating it, they were humiliated, and you wondered how they would take it. I honestly felt and I didn't anticipate winning the game against Tampa, but I honestly felt that how they came out and how they played would be even more an indicator than whether they won or lost the game. Obviously, if you win the game, you responded properly. But I was anxious to see how they would respond to being humiliated. That's first and foremost in my mind, and I honestly thought they would. And the fact that they did is a tribute to that entire team, every member, every coach, 
and especially the head coach, who didn't panic, who, again, didn't lose his football team, but got them thinking clearly and directly on the task at hand, which was to beat the next opponent, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I have to share an honesty with you. I was going to pick the Steelers to beat Tampa Bay for all the reasons I've just given. But when the injury report came out on Thursday and I saw all those defensive players concentrated in the secondary and losing some of the key members, Minka Fitzpatrick, both starting cornerbacks, backups, and seeing who was going to take their place, guys who would just join the team a week ago, two weeks ago, how are they going to do this against Tom Brady? And you had to add Pat Fryermuth in the mix. So no Pat Fryermuth, a key offensive weapon. You don't have him either. And so I backed off my prediction. I didn't see how. But what we saw on Sunday was a total redemption tour. The team redeemed itself by performing the way they did. The defense in particular, playing with all those backups, guys who would be on the practice squad if it weren't for injuries to Minka Fitzpatrick and Akella Witherspoon. Cam Sutton, critical players, and going with depth players like James Pierre, who really was a special teams guy, not much more than that, and guys who just been called up from the practice squad. Josh Jackson, players like that, and yet they were able to stymie the greatest of all time, Tom Brady. It also brought up the question, why didn't they try to throw more downfield? Why didn't they try to throw the ball deeper with the issues in the secondary? Well, that's for the Buccaneers to figure out. I'm sure they're asking those questions all week long. So the defense rose up. And maybe one of the reasons that Tampa didn't throw deep is that on many occasions they couldn't, not only because of coverage, but because the Steelers got a great push in the middle, a great push up front. No quarterback likes traffic in front of them. Tom Brady in particular hates it. And it's hard to describe Tom Brady being flustered, but he sure looked that way, screaming at his offensive linemen about to give him more giving them him more time to throw. Or maybe he was looking for some Alka-Seltzer to soothe his hangover from going to Robert Kraft's wedding instead of being with his team. I say that tongue-in-cheek, of course. But the defense gets big kudos. Part of the redemption tour, at least for one game, they redeemed themselves. The offense, 
7 for 15 on third downs, and many of them third and double digits. They convert a third and 11, a third and 13, a third and 14. Now, the good news is they converted them. The bad news is they were in third and long to begin with. You can't make a living doing that, but it was a big factor in the game. It won them the game. It enabled them to eat up the last four minutes and 38 seconds of the game without ever giving the ball back to Brady. And whatever kind of game Brady had, I wouldn't want to see him with the ball in his hands only needing a field goal to beat the Steelers. My guess is he probably would have found a way. But he didn't have the ball, so he couldn't do it. Kudos to the Steeler offense, particularly on that last drive. The redemption tour, Chase Claypool. Seven receptions on seven targets. Touchdown pass. First by a wide out for the Steelers this year in game six. Some huge catches on those third and longs. This is what we thought we would see from Claypool after what we saw his rookie year. So at least for one game, he redeemed himself. Doesn't take away a bad second year and a pretty nondescript first five games this year. But credit where credit is due, Claypool redeemed himself. Devin Bush, he was the one who defended against a wide receiver on the two-point conversion attempt. Otherwise, it's a tie game. The dynamic shifts dramatically. And Bush made some other plays. Terrell Edmonds. I think if Terrell Edmonds, for example, had been drafted in the third round instead of the first, people would have a higher opinion of him. But as a first-round pick, more is expected. He had 10 tackles, and yes, you don't want your strong safety to lead the team in tackles. But with all the younger players in there, Edmonds was given more responsibilities. Six solos, four assists, 10 tackles, and he made one particular play, a running play where he came up and threw the ball carrier for a four-yard loss. Big game for Terrell Edmonds. Some people wondered, where's Larry Joby been? Well, I'll tell you where he was Sunday. He was in Tampa's backfield. Had a big game. And second to last but not least, Mike Tomlin. Now, Tomlin gets criticized, and people want him fired even after he wins. For him to get that team back thinking clearly, to leave the, the Buffalo game behind, remembering the Buffalo game, don't forget that it happened, but don't dwell on it. And they came ready to play from the get-go. An actual touchdown drive on their first possession. Been a year since we saw that. Over a year. And last but not least, Mitch Trubisky. He lost his job. 
But when Pickett got hurt and was taken out and put it into concussion protocol, he had to come in. And maybe Trubisky played as well as he did, 9 for 12, 144 yards, touchdown pass, a beauty of a strike. Maybe Mitch Trubisky lost his job because he was afraid of losing it. When he was a starting quarterback, it looked like he was afraid to make a mistake playing not to lose because he didn't want to lose his position as the starter. Coming into the game against Buffalo, uh, uh, Tampa Bay, excuse me, he'd already lost his number one job. He must have figured, I got nothing to lose. So he came in and he lit it up. Made some key throws, especially on third downs. We talked about that. That won the game. So the biggest redemption, Mitch Trubisky. Charlie Batch knows what it's like to be a backup quarterback, to not have any reps during the week, and to come in and lead your team to victory. Charlie joins us now on Savernon Steelers. And Charlie, one play that I want to mention is the touchdown pass to Chase Claypool. It had to be a, a dime. It had to be a strike. It had to be released on time. It was a play they practiced all week, except Trubisky didn't get one physical rep, but he kept his head in the game, and he knew when he saw the play called, he knew what he had to do, and he got it there. And, Charlie, i got to be honest, that's the most decisive pass I've seen Trubisky throw since he joined the Steelers. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you know do that with everyone you meet? Try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So, what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. Though. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Yes, it was. And it was one of those routes you could see they saw something on film that they felt they had an opportunity there in the passing, win, passing lane that Chase Claypool can body someone up, and Chase did a nice job of running his route. And like you mentioned, Mitch delivered a dime right there, right into the right first. What is that? That the front, right front shirt pocket. That was what we like to call it there. So it was a pretty good throw. Uh, it, it was just so de- decisive it had to be because there was coverage there. 
And I wanted to ask you specifically about this based on something that Trubisky said after the game. He said they put that play in specifically for the Tampa game. They saw something there, as you mentioned, that they liked there. However, they, they, they focused on it. They concentrated on that particular play. But then he said, I didn't get one rep all week long. Kenny Pickett got all the reps because he was going to be the starter, which indeed he was. But what that told me was is that his head was in the game even before he knew he was going to play because that play presented itself. And even though he didn't have a physical rep all week, mentally he knew exactly what had to be done. And I thought that shows what a good teammate he is that, yeah, he got demoted. He wasn't happy about it, but he didn't pout. He didn't sulk. Um, he continued to say, hey, I might have to go in. And I'm wondering, what's that like for a guy? Because you were in that position many, many times. And that is the life of a backup. You No reps. You have to take a lot of those mentally. And nobody cares whether or not how many practice reps you had. You have to go in there and perform when your number's called. And that's the classic example of being ready. And this is only really one week away from Mitch, you know, not still having to prepare for a starter, but yet now in the backup role. So kudos to him for being, for being ready. And I just let you know when you're one play away from going in, regardless of how you get there, you have to go out there and shine. And what better way for you to go out there and do that and contribute to a win? Did you feel as though that um, his confidence was growing with each completion? I mean, the third down throws he made had to be perfect, and they were. They really were. And those are things that, you know, when you come into that game, with third and 10, third and 13, third and 16, in some cases, he was able to stand in that pocket and deliver and that's what you want to see. And that's, you see the confidence, you see it growing. But like you mentioned, he didn't, he didn't want to be benched, but yet he's out there having to perform in this manner. And you have to give him credit from that particular perspective. And I just enjoy seeing it. And anytime a backup comes in that late in the game, you typically start out slow only because the coordinator is trying to get you into a rhythm because you've been sitting for two hours. And when you have to go into that game, you can see as more and more plays that went on, he got comfortable and he started pushing the ball down the field, and that definitely caught Tampa off guard. I wonder if this played into it, and I wanted to get your uh, expert opinion on this. Uh, a lot of people thought that maybe uh, when he was anointed the starter that he was playing tentatively because, A, he was being coached that way, but, you know, he was, wanted to keep his job. He, you know, he understood the situation, a number one pick sitting there waiting in the wings. Uh, and he wanted to keep his job. I wonder if he went into the game and said, you know what, I already lost my job. So, you know, why hold back? Uh, you know, what, what, what's the worst that can happen? I want to win the game, uh, but I'm, I don't have the job anymore. And maybe he, he took that albatross off his shoulders and created a more positive, aggressive attitude. Yeah, I think when you look at it, and especially when I'm looking at him, it felt like he was playing not to make a mistake. Just because you know, okay, Kenny's clamoring over everybody wants him in there. But to your point, he already lost his job. He has nothing to lose up until this point. And we wish Kenny the best, hoping it's not too serious. But now he knows that there's a realistic chance that, hey, if he plays well, he'll get an opportunity to start against the Dolphins. I just don't believe personally that Kenny will play in next week's game, only because of everything that we know what happened with Tua. It all happened in Miami, and now here we are entering and playing in Miami. I just don't think that he'll start. I think Mitch wholeheartedly will prepare that way as if he's going to play, and he wants to go out there and play well, especially with this game being on national TV. Uh, let me just you know, veer off the beaten path on the, in that regard. Um, it's curious to me 
that the Dolphins declared that Tua would be ready to play against the Steelers. The night before, they had their game yesterday, which they lost. And I'm wondering if the league, in trying to avoid litigation and uh, you know avoid the controversy, told the Dolphins, no, he's not going to play this week. You know, we have our independent neurologist and, you know, we'll veto. And yet here the Dolphins are declaring him ready to play against the Steelers, but not yesterday. Do you think the league stepped in and do you think the league might step in on the Steelers? I don't necessarily know the league steps in. I think they, they've done enough as it relates to, you know, threatening the Dolphins is the, the lack of uh, the professionalism that they took in that particular case, especially with that game being on a Thursday night national TV audience. So I think everybody right now, has knows what the league's intentions are. All teams are on notice that, hey, concussions are very serious, and you better take it that way. You saw last week Terrell Edmonds, he missed the game with the concussion. So if that is the trend, that's that, again, strengthens my position on why I believe that Kenny won't play next week. Well, we know we saw Pat Fryermuth too, and that's the reason he didn't play yesterday. There you go, yep. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to get into the what-if game. Uh, what if Trubisky? But we're going to get into the what if. Well, maybe later <laughs> in the week. I'm not going to do it now. But you know, what if Trubisky has a big game against the Dolphins? Um, that that, uh, or I'll give you another scenario. What if what if Mitch has a big game against the Dolphins? That's one thing. What if, since we're having fun with it, why not? He has a bad first half, and again, we're assuming Kenny Pickett's ruled out of the game, and Mason comes in, lights it up leads the Steelers back to a victory. Now what do you do against the Eagles? <laughs> that is going to be the perfect storm <laughs> as it relates to this. Because coming into this year, the organization didn't feel like Mason was even worthy enough to compete for the starting job. So they went out and got not just one, but three quarterbacks to replace on the roster. If you're tied and counting Chris, who was drafted in the seventh round, uh, that ultimately didn't make the roster. So, that, the organization already stated their position. Mason's not the guy, but yet if he plays well, you have three quarterbacks, and that's going to be really interesting for all of us in the media to give us something to talk about during the bye week when there's no game, but yet we have to talk about certain scenarios. So, man, you, I hope it doesn't get down to that point, but, man, it makes an interesting storyline. I can see 1 o'clock in the morning, uh, Monday morning, we're on the air, and that's what we'll be talking about that talk about a three-ring circus. Uh, let's go back to the offense in general. Um, they still only scored 20 points when you stop and think about it. Um, three of them were set up by the kickoff return by Stephen Sims. Um, it also should be mentioned that they had several third and longs. Good for them, credit to them for converting, but you got to third and 13, third and 11, third and 14. So can we honestly say uh, even though they converted those, that the fact that you're in that position, can we honestly say that the offense made progress? Yes, they did. And I, and I look at that, especially when you just mentioned about third down. They were 7-15 to 15 yesterday. Those were some big downs that they were hitting on. And, they, you know, on the, on the flip side, Tom Brady was 4-14. for 14, So that just lets you know the manner of how serious it was on third down. Prior to that third down that Mitch Trubisky completed, to chase Claypool. Think about the play of the game. The play of the game for me was Mitch jumping on that fumble for the Aaron snap from Mason Cole. Yeah. If he does not get that snap, 
now you have Tampa in the red zone and possibly the game is over in that particular situation. So before we even talk about those throws, man, that was a critical play by Mitch being aware and jumping on that football. But I love what Mitch was doing. I love what the offense – I won't say I love it. I enjoyed what I saw because it looks like progress and hopefully they can continue to gain on what they're building right now. See, the point I'm trying to make, I don't mean to go overly negative because I thought the third down conversion, third and 11, third and uh, 13, third and 14 – converting every single one of those third and longs. But the fact that they were in third and long tells me that the offense still has a lot of issues. Yeah, there were some issues. You know, there were some negative runs that were in there, but penalties, you know, hurt this team as well. So that that's something that, you know, we hate to, you know, to talk about the negative, but that's something that Tomlin knows he has to correct because there were key penalties that put him in third and extra long situations. But where, where they are right now, you just get to that point and you're thinking, okay, can you now build on some of these things? You know, but the answer is yes. It's just a matter of can they do it consistently and keeping themselves out of those third and long situations. I wanted to ask you about one plan specific, uh, specifically, and I didn't get a chance to do it yesterday afternoon. We were doing the postgame show. Uh, on the first quarter, touchdown pass to Najee. Um, why was he so open? If you've had a chance to look at the tape, Charlie, why was he so wide open on that play? Yeah, that was a really good play design by Matt Canada because he realized that if he goes and shows that the block is that the running back is going to potentially block, that inside linebacker is now going to hug blitz. He thought that Najee was going to block. All of a sudden, he hugged blitz and left him wide open. So that was a great play design based off what you saw on film. That's why that play was so open. And one of the points that I was going to mention prior to on third down when he mentioned, I was going to say. I stood up and stand in ovation, and people were looking at me like, why are you standing up with the standing ovation on the third down? I said, because we completed a pass in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> they used the middle of the field yesterday, saying that's something that they can build off of. Oh, my goodness. They're going to have to go and re-see the, the lawn now. Um, <laughs> they won't be back uh, uh, for, for three uh, weeks. Um, what I, I, I think some kudos were given – but to me, um, to do what they did, and, I, and again, I said yesterday, I, I, I thought that the Buccaneers were overrated. I think people look at Tampa Bay. They, they see Brady there, of course. That draws a lot of attention. They think that they're watching the offense that won the Super Bowl, but they're not. But I don't want to take anything away from the Steelers' defense, given who they had to play with yesterday. And I don't think we perhaps talked enough about the game plan they developed. Tomlin said after the game that they, they kept things really basic and simple for the secondary. They mixed things up up front, and they got in Brady's face. And you see the way he reacts. He was screaming at his offensive lineman um, on the bench for not protecting him, or maybe somebody was hiding the Tylenol from the hangover he had from going to Bob Kraft's wedding. I don't know what the problem was, but, I mean, they really got in his face, and, you know, no quarterback likes it. He especially hates it. Yeah, he does, and that's something that Tomlin over the years have learned. Okay, well, you're facing Brady. He doesn't like pressure in the face only because if he has to move, that's not his strength, and, if, and that's all you're looking to do from a different perspective. If you notice yesterday, they didn't blitz at all, and that lets you know that that front four was really getting after him. Everybody knows what Cam Hayward can do. Alex Mahasmith is playing lights out right now. Larry Ogunjobi? That guy had a phenomenal game. Yep. He won't show up in the stat line, but he created havoc all game. And that is a kudos. That's a credit to that defensive front up, up uh, uh, with the Steelers. But I'll tell you another person who had a game 
is Terrell Edmonds. I know we've been giving him flack, you know, over over the years, but this guy consistently, he kept that defensive secondary in line, made sure that they were lined up correctly and didn't allow those big plays. And that's something that surprised me because I really thought for sure that Tampa was at least going to take four or five shots down the field to see how these young cornerbacks react. If they panic, either you catch it, or if they panic, it's a penalty. They didn't do either of that, and that's something that was baffling to me. I mentioned Edmonds. Um, Ten tackles. You don't want your strong safety to lead the team in tackles. He did six solos, four assisted. He made one play for a four-yard loss. Great play on a run. Um, you know, maybe the outcome in Buffalo is the same, probably. But missing him was a bigger deal than perhaps uh, you know we thought. And I mean, what would be the possible reason for Brady and the Buccaneers not taking advantage of seventy-five percent of the starting uh, defensive backfield being out of there? That's the part that I'm I'm unaware of as far well. why not. But I think maybe the only thing that I can really come up with is the fact that the defense in front of the Steelers were creating havoc, but you also have to credit the fans from having that crowd noise and forcing that offensive line to get off this split second slower. So kudos to all of those guys who were at the stadium because they they would made an impact in that game. And one point that you mentioned on that uh, four-yard loss uh, on the tackle by Terrell Evans, if he does not make that tackle by shooting the gap, Leonard Fournette scores on that play. Mm-hmm. So that was a big play in the series at that game. Last thing for you, Charlie. Uh, obviously, their level of play improved. Uh, there are upsets in the NFL all the time. Giants beating Baltimore. Uh, you know, all the upsets we've seen earlier this year. Um, time will tell. So we'll have an answer, likely late Sunday night. But is this the start of something? Um the Buffalo game aside, they were in the first five games. Um, they could have lost all five. Um, they did lose four of the five, but they were in position to win, but they just, they didn't do it. So the question is, have they elevated their play? Have you seen signs of that? Or is this just uh, one of those NFL games where, you know, the Jets ups, ups, upset people, the Giants upset people, these things happen all the time? Yeah, you do. You have teams that start reading their press clippings early. Hey, this is a Super Bowl contender, and we're only three weeks into the season. And then as they start buying into that, they start losing games that they're supposed to win. So you're starting to see all of these teams. And we'll see, okay, the Giants or the Jets, are they contenders or pretenders? But when you get to that midway point and everybody jockeying for position and trying to separate themselves, that's where you're going to start seeing, okay, are they for real or not? This is a pivotal point in the schedule for the Steelers to say, if we think that they're going to be contenders, or at least they hope to be contenders, they have to figure out a way to win these two games to get to the bye week at 4-4. Four and four. And if they get to 500, based off the start that this team had, they'll take it all day. But if they get behind and not able, it's going to be a uphill battle for them on the second half of the year because the schedule gets a little tougher there. So critical point for a lot of teams as we now get to this midway point of the season. What if they split the next two and sitting there at three and five at the break, given the state of the division where the two co-leaders are three and three? That, at that point, if they're one game out, maybe one and a half, knowing that you have to play the rest of the teams in your division, I think they feel okay with that because they feel they match up with everyone in their division. It's one thing to be okay in your division, but if you're not winning those non-conference games that you're supposed to win, it's very tough you know, to try to continue that momentum or at least having people believe that you can do something if you do sneak into the playoffs. 
everything is right in front of them. They know it's that that's why it's Mike Tomlin is saying we didn't panic. We're going to try to stay even keel. Knowledge last week talking about they got their heads bashed in, and they're going week to week, and it started here with Tampa. That's why you saw the players excited, but yet calm, saying knowing that they have a lot of work ahead, man. So everything's in front of them. It's up to them on how they how they uh, choose to to figure this thing out. Thanks, Charlie Batch, for being here. My partner on the Steelers postgame show, a reminder that we'll be on very late Sunday night, probably about 1130 or so um, after the Steelers play Miami, which now becomes a pivotal game in their, quote, comeback if they want to make a run at the playoffs. And you know what? In this division, it still could be wide open, but they've got to continue to improve. We'll be talking about that later in our second podcast this week, Saverin on Steelers. A reminder that I have a daily talk show on one of the flagship stations for the Steelers, WBGG, 970 AM in Pittsburgh. I'm on the air 12 to 2 Eastern every single day, talking Steelers and other sports as well. You can get it on the iHeartMedia app. You can download that for free and listen from anywhere. Or if you're in the Pittsburgh region, just listen to 970 AM. Thanks for finding us on Saverin on Steelers. I'm Stan Saverin. Thanks for listening. And so long, everybody. Get in zone, AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? I think my battery's dead. With free battery testing and charging, we can help you get back on the road. Get in zone, so what if I need a new one? We have the right Duralast battery for you, only at AutoZone. And what about my old battery? We can recycle it right here at America's number one battery destination. Restrictions apply. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.